thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Hey, one more announcement, and that is this. Um, uh, Thank you for going on the 21 Days of Prayer journey with us in the Future is Radiant uh, initiative, as we believe and know full well that God has a place for us. And so I want you to know I've never had... um, so much faith in this whole uh, formation of this church season as just walking through this last process with you because your faith inspired my faith. So to hear stories of, um, of prayer, of generosity, of sacrifice, of excitement, of wanting to jump on and help in any way, there has been so much yes to the Lord uh, in your heart uh, to, and so much excitement from you. That was the fun part about believing God for our permanent space. And so um, anyway, we're only two weeks in, but drum roll, please, uh, with, there it is. Wow, that was real. That was amazing. I, that, that's the kind of feedback I'm talking about, everybody. That's like youth ministry right there. Let's go. Yeah, real drum roll right there. Yeah, there we go. Uh, you guys committed to $874,698 so far, and we're only two weeks in. Come on, baby. Ooh, I like this service today. Uh, so anyway, I'm just so excited. We all are. So thank you on behalf of our trustees, our overseers, the whole team, the whole Future is Radiant leadership team that's working on this initiative. We're all so grateful, excited, and believing God. The Future is Radiant, and God's got a place for us. Anybody said amen? amen. It's going to be good. All right, if you've got your Bibles, let's go after this. Uh, Romans chapter 12. We're in this series called Disciple. And here's the vision. We want to take this season, which oftentimes is a season, just so you know, where people uh, kind of going into that Thanksgiving season where people can kind of coast a little bit. Uh, It's not necessarily nationwide a time that people are really intense. A lot of times people will come back to church in January. November can kind of be a season where people coast a little bit. And I wanted to take November in that coasting season and just... I mean, literally punch you in the mouth with this disciple series. This is like hardcore, uh, leaving everything to follow Jesus, fully surrendered, and asking God to fully form us to look like Christ. So this is a series on sacrifice and prayer and transforming and holiness. And everybody smiled and said, I like this. Yeah, give me some of that. Let's go, baby. Um, uh, so if you've got your Bibles, uh, let's go Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to read here famous text, and then we'll pray. We talked a little bit last week about the journey of staying as close to Jesus as we can as disciples. Today, I want to go more into transformation, where I'm formed into Christ-likeness. Romans chapter 12, famous text. Paul says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So do not conform to the pattern of this world. Here it is. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Sorry, I literally had transformers. 
robots in disguise. Come on. Any 80s kids, what's up? All right. Transform. All right. By the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Father, we love you today. And Father, we ask, Lord Jesus, that we would look like transformed people, that we would look like disciples fully formed into the image of Christ. God, not reaching perfection, but stepping into maturity, stepping into the fullness of what you have for each one of us. And God, in our culture, in our day, and in our time, we ask, Lord, that we would not coast, but we would be fully formed followers of Jesus. We love you and we honor you. And all of Radiant said, amen. Renata and I were having lunch, eating sandwiches with some friends of ours. Uh, they were in their mid-30s. We were in our mid-30s. We had both served on staff together in youth ministry. They had three little kids. We had four. And our kids were all playing. And they began to tell us about a journey that they had been on uh, where God was putting a new thing on their heart. And for about two or three years, they had been talking a lot about uh, widows and orphans and the poor, and the Lord had been doing something specific that looked like fundraising, and it looked like um, mobilizing uh, people to care, and it looked like them go- jumping on airplanes and going and visiting, doing mission trips to other parts of the world. Um, and as we're seated over lunch uh, in a beautiful home, their home, uh, probably, I would guess, I would guess a, a, almost a 4,000 square foot home. Uh, I would guess it was, it was a new construction, maybe two or three years old. And um, it was a nice house that they had. And, and they had, I mean, they, 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 they had a really good, a really good thing going. Like um, this guy's six foot three, so his life is made. You know, he's got a good life. And uh, he, has two, he had two little boys and a little girl. And he was from Dallas and his wife was from St. Louis. And they kind of fit that early 30s. Um, had it all going for them. Um, just, just sharp young couple. And, um, and, and I'll never forget sitting there over sandwiches where they began to tell us the story about how they're going to uh, leave Colorado, leave their kids' sports, leave a great church, leave their really nice house um, in order to go and move their family to rural Guatemala to take care of orphans. And I just remember uh, jaw-dropping. We're doing live together, and they are telling me the story. And I'm intrigued because as we dialogue, the nature of what my friends desire. Like, there was not a, this is spiritual pride. We're going to go do this. That didn't exist. And it wasn't fear. If we don't do this, who will? It, 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 it didn't have any of that. Here's what oozed from them. This is our greatest desire. This is the desire of our heart. This is the desire. And this is what we sense the Lord leading. And I talked about, hey, I know that your kids can play soccer with those kids in rural Guatemala, but they ain't going to get the free trophy in Guatemala. I talked about, hey, you're not going to have the same house. I talked about how this is going to be hard. And I just remember the specifics of them giving me this smile, confusion. I don't care about those things that you're bringing up. It was this supernatural transformation of their desires to look less like my culture's desires. And it looked a lot like Christ. Never forget Renata and I having a dinner, a couple in their 60s, facing 
very difficult health trials. And as we're seated, they are the ones oozing great faith for the future. They're the ones that have more joy. They're, his laugh is louder than my laugh. Their stories of God at work is higher than our stories. They are in their 60s facing health crisis, and they're filled with laughter, verbalized scripture of, what God, of who God is, hope for the future, hope for eternity, hope no matter what circumstance takes place, and virtually as if it's like a song in their heart. I mean, it is supernatural joy in the midst of pain. That famous quote of Charles Spurgeon, which is one of my favorites, where he said, I've learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. They were living that. I may, might be going through a trial, but I'm embracing it. I'm, I'm okay. I've got joy in the midst of the hardship. And they've got supernatural, not fake, not religious, trying to put on a good front for the pastors. Like, actually, what's really real is this joy that's supernatural. This something oozing from them that blows my mind. Renata and I sat with a young couple in their 20s, and their level of generosity with their time to help the hurting blew our mind. So they're millennials, and whatever stereotype exists for millennials, these guys embodied a Christ-likeness that caused Renata and I to cry. That's not an exaggeration. Because they, they spoke about wanting to use what they were rich in time, in their 20s, to help kids. They began to talk about kids who lacked and they gave strategy that they were planning as they got into their old age, into their 30s, what their <laughs> dreams were, their next steps of faith. And financially, they, they told us of how they had, were going to live their lives. And there was demonstration of generosity in their history. And they're, they're living a life that, as Renata and I got in the car, the only language was, that is supernatural. These millennials are been so radically transformed by God that they actually desire to live on less to help the hurting. They actually desire to give up their time. And instead of just saying, I got the whole world as my playground, they want to, they see others. It is God transforming the human heart. It is not spiritual pride. It is not anything other than God at work. Each one of us have the potential for spiritual transformation. Each one of us have the temptation to live conformed to the world. And Paul here gives us insight how to move out of being conformed into the world's image to be transformed into the image of Christ. All of us have an opportunity in our lifetime to look like Jesus with time. Most of us are tempted to be saved, marinate on planet earth, and then hope for heaven. I love salvation. I love the hope of heaven. But in this window toward, of time, your great opportunity is to be transformed into the image of Christ. So that when you stand before him, you look more like him. 
so that you've lived a life of transformation. And as you sit over meals with people, they have their jaw dropped because you're not trying to impress them. You just have Christ likeness oozing from you. Sometimes it looks like supernatural kindness that's willing to give up a lot in order to go help the poor, the orphan, the widow. You could quote in James 1.27 about true religion. And sometimes you're the older couple that's got joy in the midst of the chaos. And while the rest of your generation is just trying to get a little more recreation, one more nice meal and one more nice cruise, you're singing the songs about who Jesus is and you've got supernatural joy or you're a millennial and you've got your whole life in front of you. And instead of you looking at those decades as an opportunity for self-fun, you're looking at it for Christ's likeness. That takes supernatural work of God. When it is a real reality, it is, you cannot fake it. And I want to invite us today to look at what your life could look like with transformation being your story, where Jesus transforms you for you to have a mental image of where your life could go. I love Adrian Rogers' quote, the same Jesus who turned water into wine can transform your home, your life, your family, and your future. He is still in the miracle working business, and his business is the miracle of transformation. So Paul gives us insight. How do we get there? How do we get to this place of transformation? And Paul says here, famous text where he says, in view of God's mercy. Let's just pause right there. One of the spiritual steps you can take is to add to your life a very intentional process of thinking thoughts about God's mercy. So most people think about 6,000 thoughts a day. In our marriage, Renata's probably eight or 9,000. I'm probably four or five, but we equal out to about six. All right, so, so most people think about 6,000 thoughts a day. And if we add to what I'm thinking about in view, in thinking, in meditating on God's mercy, how is that a potential step towards transformation? Meaning, mercy, this undeserved kindness from God. So what God did for me, not what, I, not what I can do for God, what God has already done for me. What did he do for me? That's why when I was a kid, I grew up singing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Now I sing, it picked me up, it turned me around, set my feet on solid ground. I mean, Gen Z's got a little more hip. Both of them have the same idea. Here's my story. I once was lost, now I'm found. You turned me around. You flipped it. You caused, you saved me. You found me. You're at work. And when you think much on God's activity, when you think about what God has done that you didn't deserve, then that next step of, of offering your lives as living sacrifices is a lot more in play. It's actually where you want to give your yes. Most of us tend to have most of our thoughts about ourselves. So when our thoughts, when thousands of our thoughts about ourselves, then in view of my circumstance, where are you? In view of my lack, huh, accusation towards God instead of affection. However, when you sing the songs, I mean, your Spotify playlist is filled up with delete the other things, the potential thoughts, and filled up with God's grace, God's mercy, God's kindness, or 
the movies I watch or the uh, blogs that I read, or, and you intentionally take all the potential content, that I, which we have an abundance of, that I could fill up, and I actually have in view of God's mercy. I mean, Romans 1 through 11 is the storyline of God's mercy. And you fill up songs, Bible, every, every, every app on your phone. You've got that story alive. You'll watch that's a step in being transformed. So for example, for me, if I want to possess very little gratitude to my mom on Mother's Day, I think mostly about myself I think mostly about my life. I don't, but if I think much, if I spend 10 minutes thinking about the lady who was in labor for 81 hours and had triplets, who risked her life, who was, I mean, got so big, scared the doctors, and she could set a plate of roast beef on her belly and didn't need a table, and she risked her life for me, if I think about that, then it's like, I ain't giving you $10 on that Amazon gift card this year. It's 45. You know, like, wow, I got, I got in view of your kindness towards me, you risked your life. Okay. When you get, I sing the songs, I'm reading Romans, I'm praying. I'm aware of what God has done for me. Though he was rich, yet for my sake he became poor, that through his poverty I might become rich. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. And that's my story. And you can articulate your story. Here, so put, get to where you remember or you state, if not the day, the season. I don't remember the uh, first time that I ever came forward. I was a church kid. But I can tell you the moment where it became real, and I've told you it to you many times, and so for me in prayer to be able to say, God, when I was 12 and I was broken, confused, identityless, and you became my father. And that was my story. I was here and you changed me. You saved me. You gave me identity. I developed new birth. I, have, I became a new creation, new life, new life in Christ. And I've got this salvation story that I can remember. And God, you began. And ever get around people who uh, in their They've just given their life to Jesus, and maybe it's their first week, first month, first year. They are ablaze. They are alive. They have on their minds the memory of, I once was a wretch, and by God's mercy, by God's grace, he saved me, and now I can't help, but it's fresh. Many times, four decades later, or three decades later, or two decades later, you haven't meditated on the mercy. You don't have in view of God's mercy in your life, but if you'll get that on your life and you'll take that to prayer, it can be fresh in every decade. It can be alive in your heart. And I want to invite you to get that story. Paul's got that story. Paul, in his writings, he's frequently giving some of his story. Galatians 1, he says it so quickly. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's room and called me by his grace, grace, mercy, was pleased, here it is, to reveal his son to me. He's talking about that moment where we read about Acts 9, where Jesus reveals himself to him so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. That's where he's saying, there's, there's my purpose. That's, that's what God called me. He revealed himself to me. Now I'm in relationship. I know God. 
and he told me what I was supposed to do with my life. And my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I went and I fulfilled what God had called me to do. Went on mission with Jesus. Telling a story. You get your story in view of God. Here was my old story. This is my new story. You have changed me. And in that, most of us tend to root our lives in our old identity instead of our new identity in Christ. Our old story instead of our new story. But when you get the mercies of God in your mind and in your head, and it fills up a higher percentage of those 6,000 thoughts, then God becomes what you talk about, what you think about, what you want to sing about, what you want to have a small group about, what you want to blog about, what you want to read about. David, are you saying it's the only thing? I am saying that you want to get to a place where you're not trying to just have a little tiny portion of your life look like Jesus to check a box to prove to God that you like him, that you are someone fully formed, working on transformation to be like Christ that that's the vision of your life. And that was, that was Paul's vision. That was what Jesus taught to the disciples as they left everything to follow him. And then he says this, he goes, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. And this would be a perfect picture for us. Jesus was the one who gave his life on the cross. He was the sacrifice. And now Paul's saying, now reciprocate. You, here's, here's the good news of who Jesus is. He laid his life down. Now you lay your life down. And I think for me, I like to just say it this way. Just give God your yes. Sometimes that's such a big phrase. And the sacrificial system is such not a part of 21st century America. It's hard for us to even wrap our, 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 our hearts and our minds around it. The, the easy practical way is give God your yes each day. God, sometimes I think that um, if, you'll just, if you'll just try to live the lyrics that we sing, you'll be all right. You ever notice these lyrics we're singing all the time? Woo! You can have it all, Lord, every part of my world. Woo! I mean, we're singing, we're singing massive lyrics all the time. You start to live the lyrics, you'll be okay, right? Okay, God, help me live those lyrics that, I'm, that are on my Spotify playlist today. God, by your strength, by your grace. And I'm not talking about perfection, but I'm talking about a vision for maturity. I'm talking about transformation over time. I'm talking about where you are less and less conformed into the image of the planet and more and more transformed into the image of Christ. And it's the privilege of your life where that's your dream. You go, I want to give God my yes. Paul, when he's talking he frequently, he, when, when he, even when he writes, he'll say, Paul, a servant of Christ. That's how he starts his letters. Or a bondservant. A bondservant was someone who said, voluntarily said, I'm a slave or I'm a servant. I, I voluntarily. I'm, I'm a slave by choice. So as Christ followers, we leave being slaves to the world and we voluntarily say, you are my master. I thank the master. I thank the savior. I thank God. Live in it. I'm a bondservant. I'm a slave by choice. So if my circumstance is difficult, I kiss the wave that throws me up against the rock of ages. And I trust in you in the chaos. As I pray about all of the financial gain that you've given me, you can have it all, Lord. Every part of my world, it all belongs to you. And I'm daily or weekly, or monthly. And I'm not saying it's some kind of beautiful thing where it just gets better and better as, as time goes on. But consistently, as you look maybe 
three-year period after three-year period, you can see spiritual growth. You can see that you've grown closer and closer to God. Peter, as a fisherman, looked a certain level of Christ-likeness, <laughs> a certain level of um, doing his own thing, independence. And we love Peter because we see his up-and-down journey. But it gets to where he is fundamentally more like Christ when we read his sermon in Acts chapter two. It was three years. You've got not, not Christ beside you. Jesus said it was better that Christ go and prepare a place for you that I might come back and it's better that you go. I will send my spirit because the spirit indwells you. So that three-year window, I think of it like, okay, God, in the next three years, like a disciple that walked with you for three years, how can I be more transformed to where the, the David of 2024 looks a little bit different? So it's not just I'm, I'm, I'm saved and I'm waiting for heaven. No, I'm in this journey of transformation to become more and more like Christ. Then he says this, and I love this phrase where it says, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we'll go after renewing of your mind in a second, but let me just hit that be transformed because the person doing the action here is God. So here, he's, he's, I, I, I am giving God my yes, but he's doing the work of spiritual transformation. It's God at work. I am the voluntary yes, but it's God doing the transforming. You don't transform yourself. God transform you. So you give your yes. It's God at work. I, um, I'm a pastor's son. So this is Hal Perkins' illustration. So I just want to confess that so you don't, just because I learned this when I was seven and I'm going to actually use it. So there are many things I, I didn't get as a pastor's son. I'm not sure that I'll have, you know, I, I will get Bible commentaries uh, as an inheritance and sermon illustrations. All right. And, and, but my dad said it this way. He said, it's, it's, it's like God is throwing the ball. It's like he's the quarterback and your job is to catch it and run with it. So I didn't create it. I didn't throw it, but it is my responsibility to catch it. So when the Holy Spirit is revealing things to you, when the word of God is convicting you, it's your response to say, uh, I'm going I'm, I'm to do whatever. I'm going to catch it and I'm going to run with it. Not to avoid it, not to dodge it, not to pretend like he didn't throw it. And you'll have moments where God is transforming you, where he's wanting you to be transformed and you have to decide if you're going to catch the ball or not. So, I mean, I, for me, I look at this as a parent. I remember moments. Um, one of the moments where the ball was thrown to me, I had, it was before we had four kids. It's back when we had three. And uh, in our, I don't know what it's like for you as a parent, but for us, bedtime was challenging. There seemed to be a, a wave of reasons why sleep was impossible at bedtime. And so, dad, I need a drink. Dad, will you pray with me? Dad, can I tell you a story? Dad, my jammies are on backwards. Dad, I mean, like, it, it was amazing how, and, and, and it's one thing when it's one night, but when it's every night, like, I, I, I remember one night where I was like, I was, let's just say I was not transformed into the image of Christ. And I'm, and I'm walking down the stairs, and I, I mean, I have specific memory. <laughs> of getting to about almost the bottom. And just like, I mean like, bam, in my heart, I just hear like, a, like this strong, David, I'm patient. 
And I'm like, uh. And I, it's like, it's, I, I got thrown the ball. Like, I mean, I, I, think, I think it was like, uh, I mean, it was Patrick throwing it in my head. Like, take it off. Like, uh. And I, I literally remember just, I just have this memory of like, of going and repenting, repenting to toddlers. You know, like, it's, it's one thing to like, um, be a jerk to other dudes on a football field. It's one thing when you're yelling at your toddlers. That's a form of ungodliness that's just pretty insane, you know? Like, and yet every father would be like, been there, done that. Right? Like, I mean, when we're commanding and screaming and giving logic and yelling at toddlers, that's a whole nother level. But I had this moment of just like, and, and here's what it is. It's little things like that. It's, oh God, you are humble. You're gentle. You're kind. You're generous. You're filled with joy. You're sacrificial. You don't have, you, you, I want to be transformed into Christ-likeness. And so it's God, have your way. And it is tempting to always make excuses. Well, compared to so-and-so, I'm pretty good. Nope. Here's what our aim is. My aim is Christ-likeness. Compared to Christ, I got a long way to go. So it's like a river and the the river is constantly going downstream, conform to the world, conform to the world, conform to the world, conform to the world. And I'm telling you, it takes the supernatural power of God to go against the current and in our culture to be more and more transformed into the image of Christ. It is not easy. It's not a joke. It's not just cultural Christianity. It's challenging. And yet, this is what we're commanded to do. This is strong command language from Paul. And what would it look like for us to make that a vision? Like spiritual formation, Christ-like formation as my touchdown, as my win. God, I want, to be, I want to be formed into your image. I want to look like Christ. Paul, when he talks to the church in Galatia, he says, my dear children for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Which is intriguing because I think all of us, you know, would now say, mm, Paul, you <laughs> Don't make that comparison. You don't know childbirth, right? Like, I would make that joke. I don't know childbirth pain. I do know kidney stone pain. Uh, and it ain't fun, right? Like, and here's what Paul's saying. Here's what I care about. I, like, this, he's using the most graphic language he can get. This is what I care about. Papa Paul, Pastor Paul, I care about Christ formed in you. So pastoral work is easy to say, I care about behavioral transformation. I care that you learn things well. I care that you do this, that you do that. Yet, Pastor David, or every small group leader in the room or online right now, or every parent who's making disciples of their children is thinking, that's my ultimate win. I'm in the pains of childbirth till Christ is formed in the people that I pastor. That's my win. So if I live in a culture... Let's just say, even as a dad, if I live in a culture that says, here's what I want, I want academic formation for you. I want um, athletic formation in you. I want social formation in you. The vision of the pastor, the vision of the pastor parent, the vision of the pastor small group leader is there is one that I have that I'm actually longing for, aching for. I'm in the pains of childbirth till Christ is formed in you. Spiritual formation is my goal. That's my win. That's countercultural. 
because my culture's never, my culture's never said that to me. So the average 20-year-old kid has watched 10,000 hours of screens and video games. They're gonna be formed by something. You're gonna be formed by something. And it is a battle to be formed by Christ, to be transformed into his image as a follower and as a parent and as a pastor. But that's what Papa Paul said. What Pastor Paul says is, oh, this is the vision. Here's what I ache for. Here's what I long for. So how do we get there? I, I think a few things for you. I wanna give you a couple practicals. Number one, this is the big one. Anchor your life in the scripture. Um, we have more access to Bible information. I have Logos Bible software in my pocket. I mean, on my phone. I have more access to Bible information, Andy, as do you, than any other generation in history. And yet, studies show we're one of the most ignorant generations on the word of God. So flip that. Anchor your life on the word of God. Here's what happens. When you meditate on the mercy of God. When you anchor your life, pray the scriptures, read the scriptures, study the scriptures, watch Bible project videos on the scriptures, look at, I mean, just get all the scripture in you that you can. What happen is what used to just look like a theory becomes a testimony. What used to be just um, somebody's concept will become your conviction. So for example, for me, I love Matthew 7. If you've been in this church very long, you're amazed how often I say Matthew 7 because it's formed, it's formed me. It's formed my story. When I read that we have a father who loves to give good gifts to his children, what father among you doesn't want to give good gifts to his children? It, it, that is so my life when I look at what God has done in junior high as I've asked my heavenly father for gifts. I've asked my heavenly father for a move of God. It formed my life in high school. It formed my life in college. It formed my life in my first 20 years of youth ministry before I started Radiant Church here with Renata. Like it's so in me that it's not a theory. It's my testimony. Like I, I love Matthew 7. I love the promise. I love that. I know Jesus said that Sermon on the Mount, but it's personal to me. So you can't talk me out of it. It's, that scripture is my story. It's God who keeps, he, it's hard to keep up with just how he loves to give good gifts to those who won't stop asking. It's just, I think about this very building right here and I have the memory of walking around this building, praying, asking God before this building was ever purchased when it was for sale and we were over in the middle school and somehow this building gets turned into an event center, and it's the next step for our church. You can't talk me out of the fact that there's not something supernatural going on right there. I don't care what you say. You can say chaos theory all day long. You can just kind of give me some kind of luck. I know that God, I've watched, I've watched it. I've seen it. It's my conviction. Some, anybody could say their theory, but for me, it's part of my story. And just like you, you've got verses You've got some of the scriptures that maybe in the early days when you first read it, it just, it was a, it was a concept. It was a theory, but man, you meditate it, you pray it, you activate it, you pursue it. 
that message we did a while back on the promises of God. You believe it, and then you see God work. And you've got, each one of you right now, you've got verses probably in your head where you go, you can't talk me out of that verse. Okay. Go from, trans, I mean, be transformed. Renew your mind on more of the scripture, and you'll watch those stories increase. You'll watch, wow, I have more of the word of God that I can't be talked out of. So, scripture. Number two is this, align your habits with your hopes. And here's what I mean by that. Whatever is the thing that God's inviting you into, create habits in your life that line up with that conviction or that desire or that habit or that hope. Deuteronomy 6, the famous text, the Shema, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? We know that. Jesus quotes it, Matthew 22, 37. But listen to this. We actually find in the text where there's habits that help reinforce that hope. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk on, along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So you're forming these habits that connect to the vision, to the hope. If you'll, and we see this all the time. Even, though, even, though, even this text says, don't, don't be conformed, but be transformed. Paul does this often. He does it with Ephesians 5. Um, do not get drunk on wine, but get drunk on the Spirit. Ephesians 5, 18. Which is just a, it's one of my, it's one of the funniest verses in the Bible to me. I just look at Paul being like, okay, these Ephesians, stop getting drunk. Okay, I'm going to give him a habit to replace the problem. You're going to get drunk. Don't get drunk on wine. Get drunk on the Holy Ghost, right? Like, replace this conforming to the world with this spiritual habit, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. So then when you fill in that space with a habit, you'll watch how you'll be slowly transformed. So think of the place where you tend to conform to the world, the, um, what you read, the, uh, the images that you tolerate, the greed that you tolerate, the pride, that little boasting thing, um, the anger, <clears throat> the time management. Like you, you, you let the Holy Spirit nudge you a little bit. But then one of the things that you do is you say, okay, now, Lord, Holy Spirit, give me this way. What, what habit can I form? So I, if it's, man, I tend to have anxiety at night, fill out my phone with tasks, be worried and be afraid at night. So I'm going to actually turn that off. I'm going to invite my elementary son and we're going to watch Bible project videos at night. And I'm going to, I'm going to create a habit that's taking me towards my hope in the space where I typically conform to the world. And you'll watch. It's a principle. It's an idea that exists all through scripture. It's no, no trade the sorrow of conforming to the world with the joy of being transformed into Christ's likeness, the word of God. My friend, Aaron, uh, who's one of our overseers, uh, I, he, he, he was recognizing that when we were pastoring together in Colorado Springs, that all of the young adults, Friday night was the night that they were the, partying and, and the most ungodly things happening. And so he said, that's the night that we're going to 
put the young adult gathering. And that young adult gathering grew to a thousand young adults. And it's, it was that process. What's the night? What's the, where's, the, where's the scenario where we're most like the world, most conform to the world? And then I'm going to put, we're going we're gonna to take young adults, we're going to worship, we're going to pray. And I'm saying that in a community context. You put it into your own personal spiritual uh, development process. And look at your life and get specific. And it's your, that step of faith where you say, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take a step forward in this. Last one is this. Dialogue all day with the Holy Spirit. Dialogue all day with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead you, guide you, convict you. Holy Spirit living inside of me. So awesome for Peter to have three years of walking with Jesus. You have God at work inside of you. Dialogue with the Holy Spirit all day long, and you'll watch. You will, instead of that fight of, I actually love the world, and what do I have to do for God to make him okay with me? What do I have to do to check the box, to just make it into heaven? And No, no, no. What will happen is you'll watch over time. You dialogue with the Holy Spirit, and he will start to transform your desires to actually match him. You'll want what he wants. Renata and I took our kids to South Carolina last summer on vacation, driving east through Nashville. We stopped to have dinner. We're going to keep going uh, further east that night. We have dinner. We're downtown Nashville, and then we're going to go out for ice cream. It's vacation. We leave dinner. We eat ice cream. We do the whole like Nashville thing where you walk around and people sing and stuff. And then we're, I, I, I'm wanting to get going so that we can get down, further down the road. And Renata says, David, I feel like I'm supposed to go back and talk to our server at the restaurant about the Lord. And I'm like, who are you? You know, like, what? Like, no, we got to get down. According to maps, we got a long drive tonight. What? She's like, and so I'm going to use this word. I know it's not a masculine word, but she sensed this this nudge. Is nudge? Is that even a real word? I'm not sure. But this nudge, this prompting, like this is, the, and, and, and so here's what she's doing. She's dialoguing with the Holy Spirit, and then she takes that step. And I know that a good husband would have been like, yeah, I'll go in with you. But I was like, I'll wait in the car. And so uh, I was like, I'll wait in the car. I'll make sure the kids are ready. And Renata goes in and talks to the server, has a connect with her, invites her to a church in Nashville, connects with her, etc., and helps, who knows, the spiritual fruit, only heaven will show, but has that. But here's what that is. That's all day long. And sometimes it's, sometimes it looks like I've just yelled at my toddlers and it's like the Holy Spirit saying, I'm gentle. Oh yeah. Okay. Time to repent to toddlers, right? Sometimes it's, um, you're a radiant light in a dark city. I wanted to use you you didn't seize the moment and it's still on your heart because I'm putting it on your heart because I care for them. You're my radiant light now. Go back. Temptation, conform to the world. Live my life. Do whatever I want to do. Transformed by God, I am changed into his image. I'm transformed. And actually, sometimes it's in a moment. Sometimes you have that power encounter with the Holy Spirit. God does something. Boom. It's in a moment. Sometimes it happens in a habit. 
Sometimes it happens studying the word of God. There's a whole, but here's the big picture. You're in relationship with God and you're on that long-term vision to be transformed by God, not to just marinate on planet earth doing whatever I want to do. So I'll close with this famous verse, Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Here's my dream for you, that that desire, Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desire. Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart that you'll spend enough time delighting, transforming, becoming like him, that you'll end up being the person that says, hey, what I care about is what he cares about. And you're the, you're the person that doesn't care about earthly things as much as you care about eternal things. Give me, that, give me that orphan home vision in Guatemala. I'm my, and I just, one of, the things, one of my favorite memories about that moment we're talking with them was that their kids were like really great athletes. And so I was the one saying, you know there's no organized free trophies. Like, do you recognize? But, it, but, but it, I wasn't dealing with someone who was going to grit their teeth and do something for God. I was dealing with someone who with a big smile looked at me like I was crazy. Like this is the desire that God has transformed my desire. And so that process, being with him, walking with him, knowing with him, over time, he changes. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Yeah, because the desires of your heart end up looking like his heart. And you walk with supernatural joy and generosity and kindness. The vision for holiness is actually beautiful. You don't have to hate holiness. You don't have to grit your teeth and call it miserable and say you're an exception. You can actually say, the holy God is inviting me to take spiritual steps, to go on a journey with him. And he's changing me. He's still transforming me. And I don't know why. I don't know why I don't want to get drunk on wine, but be drunk on the Holy Spirit. But it is a desire that I have. My taste for this has decreased. And my love, my desire for this has increased. My taste for all the comforts of America has decreased. My love for kingdom, loving the poor orphan widow evangelism all over the world has increased. My temptation to live with constant anxiety has decreased. My supernatural joy, because I'm looking toward heaven, has increased. It's God at work. Mocked by many, but celebrated by those that it's their testimony. Celebrated by those that say, it's what I, it's, it's who I am. It's what God has done inside of me. Will you stand with me? And I just want to pray over us as a church. If like me, you desire more transformation in your life, we just hold out your hands like this. Let me just pray for you. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray that we'd be spiritually transformed. We pray, Lord God, that we would live with a renewed mind. I ask, Lord Jesus, for each person 
who lives in a daily, <laughs> full-on wave of the world. And it is so normal to just conform. And I ask that you'd help us be transformed. Our, our affections, our thoughts, our habits, and our actions will look more and more like Christ. I pray for my friends. I just thank you for each one that is in the medical field and out all day long in the middle of this pandemic. Lift up those that are in the schools. And lift up those that are working jobs in business, those in politics, those who have their own business and it's been a challenging season. Lift everyone in retail. Lift up every kid in elementary or junior high, high school or college. I just pray, God, would you be with them and close to them? Would we be more and more transformed into the image of Christ? I pray your blessing. Today, if you want to begin a journey with Jesus, the good news of the gospel is that no matter how broken, how weak, messed up, addicted, angry, fearful, no matter where you're at in your life, Jesus went to a cross, died in your place for your sin. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, that whosoever, that, that means you, whosoever would believe would not perish but have everlasting life. Best choice you can ever make to say, I no longer live for me. I live for Christ. And you can begin that journey, that relationship that's the most important relationship you'll ever have. And even if you've been in a, if, you never, if you've never said yes, or if you've been distant from God, today, you can begin that journey. I want to invite you to pray this prayer. If you want to do that today, just pray this prayer. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and I surrender. Have my life. Save me. I give you everything. I want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Randy, can we give a big hand to everybody that prayed that prayer today?